Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. This is Neil McMillan, inviting you to join me for Pulse of Politics. I'll be bringing you 30 minutes of interviews, conversation and commentary on issues that matter. That's Pulse of Politics. Listeners, we imagine, may look back on the past political weekend described but variously as drama, farce or tragedy. And truth be known, it has in parts been all three which is part and parcel of politics, although not usually in such a short period of time. So National has got its third party leader in a matter of weeks, which Labour has done previously in a matter of months. And Judith Collins assumes her party's leadership only weeks before polling day, which has happened previously with both Jacinda Ardern and the late Mike Moore. And the only thing that's really unprecedented is that Judith Collins is sharing a national front bench with her two predecessors, Simon Bridges and Todd Muller. But the show must go on. So, this weekend marks just two months to the general election, plus two referenda, and we're continuing our focus on the newly formed Tyree electorate, for which we've already interviewed the candidates for Labour, National and New Zealand First. And so this week we're turning to the Green Party candidate, Scott Willis, one also with strong credentials. So Scott's joined us in the studio and it's great to welcome him. Thanks for being here, Scott. Thank you, Neil. It's a great opportunity. Scott, the first thing that needs to be said that you've epitomised green policies in action. Uh, You've defied those who would label the Greens in the past as muesli eaters and tree huggers because of your practical application of green policies, especially in the blueskin area on the northern outskirts of Dunedin. And Scott, you are currently manager of the Blueskin Resilient Communities Trust, and that's been involved in retrofitting insulation in a lot of Otago homes. Tell us about that. Well, the the the, sto- the retrofit story was something that that began in two thousand and nine. We we the trust were, uh, grew out of a community desire for action on climate, action on resource peaks, and building community resilience in the face of economic instability, with a concern for energy hardship in the community. And so we we were the recipient of a pilot program from ECA. And uh, and out of that experience, we did over 400 homes in in in, in four, just over four months. We learnt about how to get insulation to the places that needed it most. So that was one one exercise. And the Cozy Homes Trust, I think you're a trustee of that. That's run community workshops, expos, and events, and so on. Tell us about that too. Well, it really the Cozy Homes Trust is something I'm very, very proud of. That 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 was an idea that was bandied around in the Blueskin office, because after our work on on. Um, Insulation and energy demand reduction in the various communities and in, in um, Brockville, etc. We realised that this problem was too big for us, 
And uh, we looked around for a name that would draw in lots of other people and settled on Cozy Homes and uh, managed a workshop where we brought 76 stakeholders together, uh, I can't even remember how many years ago now, to set up and to set a vision for every Dunedin home, every Otago home to be warm and cosy by 2025. So we've got five years to go. And out of that, uh, we grew the trust that now exists and and is um, driving all of those energy initiatives around Otago. Mm. You are general manager also of Blue Skin Energy Limited, which is involved in wind generation of electricity and energy efficiency and smart grids. That's something we'd like to hear about. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do wear many hats. Uh, the Blue Skin Energy Limited is is the trust's company. And this is really around, it, it, it again, around reducing energy hardship, but doing so with cleaner, cheaper, smarter power and doing so with climate-safe housing and doing so with um, with renewable generation. So we failed in our attempt to build a, a local wind farm. We failed because some people didn't like the, the sight of wind turbines, but we haven't given up on the idea of wind power as a way of producing electricity for Dunedin and Otago. Um, we've got the New Zealand's New Zealand smart grid um, peer-to-peer electricity retailer up and running. We've had to simplify it um, briefly while we um, reboot it through uh, with with a, a new backroom supplier. But we we now supply to Otago and Southland, and we have great ambitions to incorporate uh, electric vehicles as mobile storage and really do things use use data to do things much better for our community. And and in doing so, we can make sure that power is cheaper for people in the community. And, and, we, and of course, we still want to build more climate-safe homes. Mm. Waitati School has installed solar panels with huge benefits, both in power costs to the school itself and in availability of power to the community. Yes. Now, that was a great, a great story. And it, and it continues to be. So so years ago we were approached by a philanthropist who asked the trust was approached by the philanthropist who asked me if if um the school would be interested in solar panels and so I made an inquiry and of course they were and we'd been hoping that the school would invest in solar panels and encouraging them to do so by providing advice. And so we were um we pr- we we put out a request for proposals and secured a contract from a, a solar supplier and assisted the school to make the decision. And the school set up the solar panels, 10 kilowatts of solar panels, that added. we added in our 1.5 kilowatts on the trust office, which was located at the school at the time, and connected the school to the Blue Skin Energy Network. So that enabled those parent communities, Parents who are members of the Blue Skin Energy Network to to use the excess school power um, at a cheaper rate, mm-hmm. um, and we we've we've we want to get back to that um, that that system of ensuring that those people who are using electricity within the local network that are avoiding the transmission costs get a cheaper rate for their electricity. Mm. What does this mean for the school in terms of uh, power costs of uh, power? I can't remember the exact numbers, but 
they're enormous. The school has thousands of dollars extra per year to spend on school activities rather than energy costs. And that's been a direct benefit from installing solar panels and being able to sell it at a good rate into the local community. And it's facilitated the use of computers for it's, pupils at school? It's, it's facilitated the use of computers. It, it keeps the pumps going for the septic tank. What, what it doesn't do, because it's grid-tied, it doesn't enable the school to keep things running when the power goes down, when the, when the, net, when the network fails. But um, we've been discussing with the school and, and doing um, early days, but we've been discussing the potential for um, static storage, battery storage, to be installed at the school so that the school can become um, can stand alone in the event of a wider power outage and can also mm. function as a civil defence centre. Mm. And you've had Gareth Hughes there recently. Gareth Tell Hughes. us about that. <laughs> well, Gareth Gareth opened. He he launched the um, the connection, the solar connection at the school and the connection to the Blueskin Energy Network, and and Gareth's. Gareth's been a fantastic spokesperson for cleaner, cheaper, smarter power, working on energy policy uh, in the Greens' confidence and supply uh, agreement with Labor and and really driving much of the new clean energy plan that the Greens that we launched last weekend. So Gareth's been a, he's a, he's a fantastic proponent of of clean mm. energy. Uh, you also chair, you talked about many hats, you also chair the Energy Committee of the Otago Chamber of Commerce and you're also a member of the Innovation Group at the Electricity Authority. Well, the, the, um, my, my, my role as chair of the Energy Committee was simply because the years ago the, I was a director at the Chamber of Commerce and we, just, and we didn't have a committee that worked on energy. And at the time, I mean, energy is critical to our economy and it is critical to our emissions trajectory. So the, with a little bit of help, the, the chamber set up an energy committee and installed me as chair. And I've sat there ever since trying to make things happen. <laughs> uh, and uh, we, we work closely with council and, and city stakeholders on reducing emissions, on, on making sure that we can provide cleaner jobs in the city and on encouraging en- energy awareness and opening up opportunities to innovate. And my role um, at the Electricity Authority is really as a, a community advocate for um, energy innovation so it's the Innovation and Participation Advisory Group at the Electricity Authority. Mm-hmm. And really my role there is I'm, I'm not a technical expert, although I, you, know, you can't swim in this, in this space without learning a few things over the years, but um, I do understand about energy democracy and how we can include or create value for community and give um, power to the people, essentially, and that's the that's the role I take at the Electricity Authority mm. in trying to encourage greater democratisation of our energy system. Listeners, we're speaking with Scott Willis, the Green Party candidate for Tyree in the next election. Scott, politics is not new to you because you contested last year's local body elections for the Otago Regional Council, and you polled extremely well, but not quite well enough. What was your objective in standing for the ORC? Ha, the Otago Regional Council 
is is often um, misunderstood. I think the, the the recent ructions at the Otago Regional Council have encouraged people to see what the council does and the place it plays in um, particularly the environmental um, our, our environmental challenges that we we face as a region. And my purpose in standing for the Otago Regional Council was to ensure that the long-term decisions that we make as a community are made well, are science-based, and give benefit back to our community, ensure that we have clean rivers, we can swim again, we can fish in our rivers, and that, and that we can have use of it that does not destroy the ecosystems, but in fact re- restores them. So I think we can manage all of those things, rivers. I think we can uh, waterways, clean up our waterways. But I think we also need to, with Dunedin City Council setting a, a, a target of zero carbon by 2030, we have a massive work program ahead for the next 10 years. And part of that involves public transport. The Otago Regional Council runs public transport and it needs to decarbonise it. It needs to increase it. it needs to make it, make it accessible, affordable, and decarbonise. There are there are work streams to do there, and uh, the decisions we make now lock in our emissions pathway into the future. Mm. That's why I sat, stood. <laughs> it's got a very comprehensive background, uh, and now you're entering national politics. And for the Tyree electorate, why Tyree and not Dunedin, which is the electorate in which you live? It's the I live in in what's now the Dunedin electorate, but um, the Tyree electorate is the really the pointy end of climate climate change. So we've got South Dunedin, where I've done a lot of work and where I have many connections. South Dunedin, two thousand seven hundred homes within fifty centimeters of of mean high tide, um, and the majority within twenty five centimeters. So really. Um, a lot of rental property, a lot of people in a vulnerable situation, and at the same time we've got a large rural community or rural area with various communities that um, on the on the Tyree Plain that's uh, flood prone, with um, agriculture which is moving into the emissions trading scheme, and many many challenges facing our rural community. So so we that they're not they're not distinct that that the 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 change in climate and the breakdown of a stable system is presenting challenges to both our urban and our rural area and i i i know both areas um, i grew up on a farm but i but i i work in the in a in a more in in the energy housing um, rural issues space you're married with two adult sons how do they view your foray into national politics, or do they see it as a natural progression from what you've been doing? <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to ask them, but no, I think they do. They 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 certainly support um, support this work, and um, you know, one of my sons is going to be is going to help out. Last time they helped out on the campaign, and one of my sons, who's still in Dunedin, will help out on, on, on this campaign as well. So no, I'm, I'm very proud of, of both of them. Mm. They're, they're doing fantastic things. Tyree, it's an immensely diverse electorate. I mean, you've touched on this. It's urban, it's rural, it's industrial, it's agriculture, it's suburban, it's small towns. 
What areas would you regard as most receptive to Green Party policies? The whole areas are receptive to Green Party policies. But, you know, we, we often think, we often think, I mean, the Poverty Action Plan is going to appeal to and does appeal to a large percentage of our of our population. People understand that to have thriving communities, we need to be able to live in dignity. So that's at at a starting point that has a, that has a wide appeal. But um, I think our our communities also understand that we need to value community. We need to rebuild um, a thriving community rather than the more individualised approach that we've had previously. We we need to think about ourselves as a collectivity, and we've seen how government can help that through the COVID response. So what what I think and in, in that we, we show as the Green Party is that we, we certainly encourage a, a a community approach to solutions to our climate crisis, to increasing equality, to ensuring we've got a thriving thriving, healthy nature. And and it's not about imposing it, but it's about co development of solutions. And how do you campaign in such an electorate, which is so diverse? Well, I mean, it's it is a challenge because I have a full time job, and I, I luckily I have some holidays that I can I can take. Um, but um, we campaign we campaign using digital um, digital means. We campaign through one on one meetings or meetings with groups. Um, campaign through we'll, we we have a. We will have our office opening, uh, uh, not this Sunday, but Sunday next, in um, on the corner of Hillside Road and um, in King Edward Street, and um, and of course um, we do door knocking and phone calling and and um, essentially, um, wow. Anyway, anyway, we can. Anyway, we can. We 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 don't have the luxury of the resource of the, of of the two major parties, but we have a, a fantastic army of of volunteers and people who who value what the Green Party stands for and are, are championing um, what we want to do. Will we be seeing either of the co-leaders, James Shaw or Marima Davidson, in Dunedin? Yes. Yes, certainly, and and so we had uh, James Shaw visiting uh, last week, um, uh, looking at um, some some energy initiatives um, and and meeting community groups, and he will be back down before the election. I'm hopeful that Marama will also be down. Um, she, of course, is standing in the electorate, so she's she's less time free, um, but um, we we have two candidates who are who are seeking. Uh, the two tech, um, two tech, um, or running two tech campaigns, and the the policies you'll most be promoting. Well, I'll I'll certainly be promoting our clean energy plan. So energy policy is 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 um, is very much um, my interest area, and housing, of course. I think we've got a a lot we can do in housing. I'm. Very, very keen that we work on climate change adaptation and that community is involved in developing plans. Um, that's where I've done a lot of work um, on our city, our climate, and um, with community groups. Um, and then, of course, 
I'm, I'm very keen on agriculture and rural issues. And I think this is where we have we really do stand apart because we have a plan for involving our communities in the transition, our, our rural communities in the transition to, to a, a low-carbon agricultural system. And not simply agriculture, but a, a thriving rural community. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm very keen to champion um, agriculture. All right. The electorate includes the Otago Corrections Facility uh, and with voting now available to prison inmates who are serving sentences of less than three years. Will you be campaigning within the prison precincts itself, do you know? I'd I'd love to. I'd love to. And I would have to find out how we go about that because that's a relatively new thing. Um, I don't know what the protocols are, but of course um, we'd love to. Mm. Labour and National, of course, are already engaged in some quite intense campaigning. Uh, we can see, we can anticipate this will actually intensify. Is there a risk of it becoming a two-party contest entirely, and the other candidates being squeezed out? I don't think so. I think that you know I've bumped into um, Ingrid a fair bit. Um, when I've been out and about, uh, and I met Liam uh, yesterday, um, and I think that um, they possibly have the luxury of not having to work but be able to campaign full time, but that doesn't mean that um, they that it'll only be a two a two horse race mm-hmm. because we have an electorate who who don't uh, we have people who want to see real change in the community and they're not just sold on on you know who's running around knocking on doors they they're also um, looking at policy and looking at the plans that we have and and I'm we'll be doing as much as we can um, with the resource we have mm-hmm. and we expect a good and we've always had a good um, strong party vote from that electorate how would you define the main points of difference with labor and with national, well, I mean, for a start, we understand that climate change is a real thing, and it is here, it is now, and its effects and its impacts are, are happening already. So when um, when the Labour Party leader Jacinda Ardern says that this is our nuclear free moment, we can give backbone, we can give we can give steel to to the spine of the Labour Party in making change happen. That's what the Greens can do. Um, with national, um, you know, I don't really know what – at least they signed the zero carbon bill. That's good. Mm-hmm. New Zealand first candidate Mark Patterson, who we had on the program a week ago, Mark was on record earlier the year as warning against what he called the extremes of a Labour-Green government. What's your reaction to that? <laughs> Politicians say all kinds of things to to win votes, um, and I think that um, Mark's probably appealing to the national national vote, um, trying to suck some of that up. And and finally, as well as voting f- uh, in September from members of Parliament, we'll be voting in two referenda: one on voluntary euthanasia, the other on the recreational use of cannabis. 
Where do you stand on those two issues? Well, I support uh, the yes tick on the recreational use of cannabis because it does not make sense to 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 drive it underground and to make sure that it, it remains something that is um, part of the, the criminal um, world. I think that, that drives what is a relatively um, relatively safe recre- recreational um, activity for adults into a criminal sphere. Mm. So I, I, I certainly support a, a yes tick there. On the voluntary euthanasia, I'm not entirely sure. I, I've had a number of members of my family who have suffered mm. um, and I'm and I I will probably tick yes, but I'm I am I'm I have a more ambivalence towards that. It's a it's a tricky one. Mm. Scott Willis, thanks so much. It's been good to have you on the program and as with all candidates, we wish you well. And what's hotting up as a stimulating election campaign. And thanks for joining us. Very grateful. Thank you very much, Neil. It's been a pleasure. Listeners, we've been speaking with Scott Willis, Green Party candidate for the Tyree electorate in the forthcoming election on September the 19th. And that's our program for the week. And this is Neil McMillan closing with a reminder, you can catch Pulse of Politics at the same time every week on air, online or on podcast. You've been listening to Pulse of Politics, broadcast every Sunday evening at 8 o'clock on Otago Access Radio. If you'd like to hear this program again, you can download a podcast from oar.org.nz. Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.